Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 25. Can we say this together? Look at your screens. It says, for whoever desires. Who said this? Jesus. Let me say it again. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Can we say it again? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Lord, we open our hearts to receive what you have to say today. Adjust us. Point things out that we need to correct so that we can become more like Jesus, we pray. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, and we said amen today. You know, Friday night was girls' night. Uh, of course, I wasn't there, though I did hear there was a guy that was trying to sneak in on uh, Friday night, uh, and we didn't let him in, okay, because it was a, uh, but thank you for not doing that. But uh, it was girls' night, and uh, we had a bunch of ladies come out, and I heard it was awesome. And so thank you, ladies, for stepping out and, and coming out to that. It was a great time. But I'll tell you what I was doing during ladies' night. I was on a date with my daughter, with my seven-year-old. And uh, we got together, and I said, hey, Zoe, what do you want to do? And she, she, we went and took a walk around a lake, okay? We went and took a walk, and we just took a slow walk, and we played the game. It was almost sunset time, and uh, we played the game, um, what's your favorite, you know? And I said, you ever played the game, what's your favorite? No, no, Daddy, what game is that? Yes, what's your favorite color? Oh, my favorite color is the color of the sunset. And I said, what color is that? It's pink and orange and red and... And, and blue. Daddy, what's your favorite color? I'm all blue. You know, what, what's your favorite ice cream? What's your favorite ice cream? She's all mint. Mint and, and chocolate, Dad, with crunchies in it. And I'm, what's your favorite ice cream? I'm all, vanilla. <laughs> what's your favorite animal? You know, she goes, oh, I like the ones with spots and they're big and furry and fluffy and what you, you know, and so on and so on. And then we, and then we kind of played where, uh, who, who can, who can find the turtle, you know, that was in the lake and who can find, uh, the, 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 the fish and, and who can find the squirrel and, and then who can find the frog. Okay. So we're, we're going around and we're having all this fun and she's just in this. I could imagine that's kind of how the garden of Eden was with the Lord. Like he's going around, he created all this stuff so that we can just fellowship and enjoy one another. And we were doing that. Well, we come up to this one thing and she goes, Dad, I found the frog. I found the frog. And I'm like, where is it? And I see this, this frog, you know, it's like, like this big, but it's hopping along like this. And she goes, Dad, Dad, look at the frog. And I'm like, oh, yeah, look at the frog. And she's all, Dad, would you pick it up? I'm like, oh, Dad, don't play that. <laughs> That's, I'm from Southern California. I'm not from the South. I don't play frogs. I don't touch frogs. I, I, like, I don't, I don't do that. No, Daddy, pick it up. I need you to pick. Would you pick up the frog for me? Pick up the frog for me. Um, baby, I, honestly, I'm afraid of frogs. <laughs> like, I'm big, but I'm, I'm a, it's like the elephant and the mouse. Like, I'm afraid of the frog, and I know the frog's not going to. But, but here's worse. It was a red frog. You know, the only time I've seen a red frog was those frogs that are like poison frogs, you know? And I'm thinking, man, is it a red frog? I don't have time to look it up. Daddy, daddy, it's getting away. Pick up the frog. Pick up the frog. So I'm like, uh, all right. Daddy, are you scared? Well, no, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I mean, I don't want to question my manhood. A little seven-year-old here. Yeah, pick up the frog then, dad. Come on. 
So I'm leaning down. I'm chasing the frog. I pick up the frog, and I get this frog in my hand. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't do frogs, you know? And then she said, oh, Daddy, let me see it. And I'm holding it. Can I tell you, why did I do that? See, I have my limits. I don't do snakes, frogs, uh, like, you know, cats. Sorry to throw it all in there. <laughs> and the same, but to me, it's kind of all, you know. There's just certain things I don't do, okay? And you, you say, hey, can you? No, nah, I'm just sorry. I trained up a child in the way he should go. I wasn't raised that way. <laughs> I, just, I just don't do it. But when my, when my daughter says, you know, dad, can you pick up the frog? You know, I did it. Why did I do it? Because it's her. It's Zoe. I had to get out of my comfort zone. See, I think sometimes we're going to, the, the scripture says, whoever desires to save his life. We all have things in our life that we say, this is the way I roll. This is the way I am. Uh, this is my selected preferences. I don't do that. Uh, uh, hey, can you do? No, no, no. I just don't do that. See, th this is the way that I have things set up. I have my, it's the way I work. It's the way I function. This is what time I wake up. This is the time I have my, and so we bring those filters. We carry those filters and those filters have probably really helped us in life to lock into good patterns in life. And they've brought good results, maybe good relationships, maybe good business, maybe good money, whatever the case may be. Here's the problem. When we bring our selected preferences and filters into the kingdom, it limits us. So Jesus said, he who desires, look at the scripture, he who desires to save. Notice it didn't even say he who saves his life. It says he who desires to save. You just bring those filters in, into Jesus and his path for, for our lives. He says, you're going to lose it. You're going to miss out on the goodness, on all the things God has for you. He says, uh, but whoever loses his life for my sake. See, that's what I did with, with, with Zoe. I lost my uh, attraction to frogs. You know, I lost my association. But he who loses his life, who just says, you know what, I'll do it for you, God. Because honestly, when, when I come to the Lord, I just lay, like lay the filters aside. You know, it's like on, on a website, you just click no filters, right? God, whatever you want. That's, that's what humility is. No filters. I don't bring my criteria to you, Lord. He says, uh, he who, who loses his filters, <laughs> his life for my sake, will find it. I want to talk with you about finding freedom today, finding freedom in your life today. The mission of our church is encounter God, his freedom, and your destiny. And finding freedom in your life. Let me tell you this. Listen, you'll never experience the joy of something without the surrender of something else. Said you'll never experience the joy of one thing without the surrender of something else. You'll never experience the joy of marriage without the surrender of singleness. Right? If you try to still live single after you get married... You will never experience the joy and you'll say, well, I'm just, not getting, I'm just not getting what I'm getting out of marriage because you haven't surrendered singleness. You haven't surrendered the self. You have to walk in and lay that down in order to get into marriage. You know, some people won't ever get married because they're, you know, I'm going to move on from that subject. I just sense I shouldn't touch on that too much. Too. Too, too much today, okay. Uh, you'll never experience the promise of Canaan without surrendering Egypt. 
Egypt, the way we used to do it. You get out in the wilderness. The leeks and onions were better. I just don't know. I want the leeks and onions. And God has a promise for you, and he's leading you through. And we don't have our hearts and our minds set on it because we can't surrender Egypt. So we bring Egypt into the promised land, and God's like, you're not experiencing the fullness of Canaan because you still brought Egypt. It's kind of like that, that balloon, you know, that you, you go up and you want to go in the balloon to get up in the sky and see above everything, but you bring all your weights in the balloon and they're like, oh, you can't really bring in the weights. Well, why not? Because the weights will hold you down. And by the way, if you want to be held down, why would you want to go up? See, the Lord's trying to bring us somewhere to bring us into freedom, but we want to bring our filters and our weights and I don't do it that way. And this is the way I do it. And this is, you know, I, I, it's just me and God. And, and this is just, a, I don't know. I, God knows me and, and all, all this kinds of stuff. And we don't know why we're not held back. Jesus said very simply, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, listen, you'll never experience the life of freedom without the surrender of self. You'll never experience the life of freedom without the surrender of self. Some people are so comfortable that to say surrender of self, wait, I'm already free. I don't need to surrender self. Paul said, I die daily. It's a, if you want more from God, if you want to get into the life that God's called you to, it's going to take more surrender. More surrender, more advancement into what he has for you. More trust. Say it with me one more time. Whoever desires, say it. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Listen, finding freedom requires letting go of strongholds. I'm not willing to let go of that. Well, then you're going to limit your freedom. In fact, when I say that, what is it that comes up in your mind and your heart? That's probably the limiting factor. Finding freedom requires letting go of strongholds. The verse before that, Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this to his disciples. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you desire to come after the Lord, oh, I want to serve the Lord with all of my heart. Okay, then lay you aside. Well, I want to bring me with me. How can I bring me and we all follow the Lord? See, what we don't realize is we're trying to bring the things that God's trying to strip us of sometimes to follow the Lord when, we, when the reality is we don't realize that the very thing he's freeing us from is the things we're bringing with us. That's why he says, in order to follow me, you have to lay this down. Well, I want that back. No, you don't. You want freedom. Because when you get freedom, you get the joy and fulfillment of those things, but you also get freedom. God's not going to limit. Sometimes we look at God as a, as a limiter. He's not going to limit us. I promise you. He says, you limit me in Psalm 78, not I limit you. Any dream you have, God says, I'm able to do exceedingly in Ephesians, abundantly, above all that you dream, not above that you experience, not above that you ask, but ask or think. God outthinks you. God outdreams you. I promise you, I don't care how big of a person you are, God's dreams are bigger than yours for you. 
God's plans for you are bigger than yours, but it takes first surrendering self. I'm talking about walking in freedom today. In the same verses where Jesus shared these two verses right here, uh, it was right after Peter took him aside and rebuked him and told him, oh, Lord, not so with you. We're your boys. We got you. We're going to protect you. You're not going to have to go die. You're not going to do this. And Jesus looked back at him and had to rebuke him. In fact, here's what it says. I love it in the message. It says, Jesus did not swerve because, you know, he was talking back to Peter because Peter was trying to take him aside to teach him something. And he said, Peter... Get out of my way. Satan, get lost. (laughs) He called him Satan. He said, Satan, get lost. He said, you have no idea how God works. Then Jesus went to work on his disciples, and he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Anyone who desires to come after me has to let me lead. See, sometimes we're like, God, why aren't you taking me somewhere? Because you're already sitting in the driver's seat. If we're going to go, you and me are going to go get in a ride together, and you walk in, you jump in the driver's seat, what, what seat does that put me in? The passenger seat. And then, and then you may say, well, why didn't you drive? Well, because you called the driver. So I'm not going to fight you. Do you know God doesn't fight you? And you say, God, I want you to lead me and guide me, but then you go jump in the driver's seat because we really don't trust God. Or you jump in the passenger seat. Okay, I'm in the passenger seat. And then you're like, let's go. And you don't see God jump in the driver's seat. And you're like, well, if he ain't coming, I'll jump in the driver's seat. We're going to get somewhere. That's what Samuel did before he was kicked out of kingship. Saul, excuse me, before he got kicked out of king. Did I say Samuel first service too? Did I? Samuel came and rebuked Saul for that because Saul, thank you, because Saul jumped in and took and, and took a position which was Samuel's position that he was supposed to, he wasn't supposed to touch. But God was too slow. So what did he do? He jumped in the driver's seat. Sometimes we wonder, what do I, how do I let God lead? We sit in the passenger seat and we wait on God. That's what we do. That's what we do. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. <laughs> he says, you're not, he says, you're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Let me tell you, if you want to find freedom in your life, if you want to find fulfillment of your life, if you want to find purpose in your life, you have to surrender. Get those filters out of the way. And turn your life over to God. The path of freedom, I'm going to give you just three essential steps. And the first one is finding Jesus. In order to have freedom, you have to find Jesus. Why do I need Jesus? Because 1 John 5.14 says, he who has the son has life. He who doesn't have the son does not have life. It's pretty straightforward. If you want life, you need Jesus. If you don't want life, you don't get Jesus. So if 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 you want to experience life, you have to open your heart up to Jesus. John 8, 36 says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Can I tell you, there is no freedom outside of a life with Jesus. There's only a temporary fix. There's only methods of learned practices or learned habits to to begin to pacify those urges and temptations and things to where now you're getting better, but I'll always be that. But with Jesus... 
He said, who the son sets free is free indeed. What does that mean? It means I'm not that anymore. I'm born again. I'm born again. You need Jesus. Number one, you need Jesus. How do I find Jesus? Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth, look at the screen. If you declare with your mouth, can we declare it together, church? Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. How do I get saved? You believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins. You repent of your ways and you say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. That's the way you do it. It's not just some little prayer. No, it's believing, connecting your heart with your mouth, and that's how you get saved. Why should I repent and be baptized? Why should I repent and be baptized? Well, one is we read in, uh, and there's a number of scriptures on this, but Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the Bible says that Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you. Can you say, <laughs> I always love, can you imagine just peeking in on John the Baptist? John the Baptist, he was like, he had the the you know, the skins and the, and the eating locusts and all that kind of stuff. How do you think he said the word repent? You think he said it with an English accent like we see it in those movies? Repent, every one of you. How did he say it? Come on, give me a, give me a John the Baptist impersonation on number three. Ready? Just say the word repent. Ready? One, two, three. Repent. Right. I mean, he was, he meant business. Okay. So he says, repent. This is Peter though. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love it. You see all three baptisms right here in that verse. You see the baptism into Jesus, right? You see the baptism in water and you see the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All in this verse. He says, repent, right? Turn to Jesus. Let every one of you be baptized in water, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And which is kind of what they were commenting on right there. So number one is you have to find Jesus, finding Jesus on the path of freedom. Number two is walking with Jesus. There's one thing about finding him, and a lot of Christians, I believe, stop there. I found Jesus. I'm going to heaven, but I got it, I got it from here unless there's an emergency. I got it here. I'll show up to church. I'll read my Bible every once in a while, and I, I got it, Lord, but if there's an emergency, I'll call on you, okay? Just I, I got your number right here. Got your number right here. Walking with Jesus. What is that? Walking with Jesus. Well, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17... This means if anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Can you say new person? The old life is gone. New life has begun. Say this. The old life is gone. Come on. Somebody needs to say it over their own life. Just say the old life is gone and say the new life has begun. Yeah, you have to know that it, it's not just an association with Jesus. It actually changes your life. You become a new person. Now, you have freedom. John 8, Jesus said. John 8, 31. If you abide in my word, that means dwell, live, stay, not visit. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Can you say you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free? Do you know it doesn't say or mean here that the truth will make you free? It's only the truth you know that will make you free. He said it's only the truth you know that will make you free. If the truth itself made you free, everybody would be free because it's truth. No, it's only the truth that you take. It's only the truth that, you, that becomes reality in your heart that makes you free. So what do you have to do? You have to know if, if you're not free yet, then you don't know the truth yet. And if you don't know the truth yet, but you're just trying to get prayed for again, well, get prayed for again, but know the truth. How do you know the truth? You got to dig into the word. You got to find out what Jesus said about your freedom. 
And that's what I'm talking about this morning. Know the truth and the truth will make you free. How do you become transformed, transformed, transformed? <laughs> I remember when I was a little kid, they had those things, the transformers, and they'd, they'd transform into one thing, and then it'd flip all around, and things flip, and they, they're back, and they're this other thing, and you go, how did you get that from that? They flipped into something else. They, like, morphed into something else. How do you become transformed? Well, your spirit is born again, but you yourself needs renewal. You need to be renewed. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Check this out, okay? I, I, I doubt you've seen exactly this like this, but check this out. Try to catch this in your heart and your spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says this. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Say the word liberty. See, we, we say that we're a land of the free and the home of the brave, and we, we have liberty in our nation only because of Jesus if we kick Jesus out, we have no more liberty. You know why? Because it's not just rules, regulations, constitution that makes us free. It's the spirit underneath. See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers, darknesses, age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against China. We wrestle not against Russia. We wrestle not against the Middle East. We wrestle not. Sometimes we think our, we wrestle not against Republicans or Democrats. We wrestle not against, you know, this person or that person. Listen, our fight is not with people or political statements our fight is there's spiritual things that are happening under the surface under currents and if we don't keep jesus in the middle where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty if we don't keep the spirit of the lord on our nation if we don't keep the spirit of the lord on our church if we don't keep the spirit of the lord on our families i don't care if your family we have generations of christians all in bondage Oh, no, look at, we have it all together on the outside. And I'm not, by the way, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe you do have it all together. But let me just tell you, you have it all together if you keep the spirit of the Lord on what you're doing. Where the spirit of the Lord, that's where the flow of freedom is. It's where the flow of freedom is. Where the spirit of the Lord, there is liberty. It says, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror. Can you say as in a mirror? The glory of the Lord. Notice what you're beholding as in a mirror. You're beholding the glory. It's kind of it's kind of funny. You're looking in a mirror, but you see the glory of the Lord. I thought you see you. In a mirror, you see you. No, you're seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Uh, remember the word of, of the year over this church that, that I believe the Lord gave us is the word glory. Say glory. Yeah, and the Bible says darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness of the people, but the Lord will arise on you and his glory will be seen on you. Well, what happens? You're looking into the perfect law of liberty and the glory, you're being transformed into the image glory to glory. So you're looking, you're, you're being with God, spending time with God, and you're being transformed into the image of God. See, you're really transformed into the image of whatever you spend time with. You ever notice when you watch a whole series of Netflix or a whole series of this and you become like unstoppable or you're like, man, I even used a couple phrases from that thing. See, you become transformed into whatever image you're, but when you're looking into the glory of the Lord, you know what you do? You begin to reflect God. You begin to reflect God. Oh, the glory is on me. Well, you better, you better spend time with the Lord to keep him on you. Otherwise, you're going to have to hide your face so that you're not embarrassed when he's not on you. 
We have to keep looking into the perfect law of liberty. Uh, a couple of weeks back, we were in uh, California at my mom's house, and um, and we were. Uh, my, my mom had some old pictures of like her. My mom's 88, and like her grandparents. That's old, okay? Like her grandparents, and these were like old pictures, and and then she had them in like sheet protectors, you know, like like sheet protectors. So she put the picture in there, being the sheet protector. So I remember looking at this and thinking, man, you know, so I'd slide my finger like down the picture to open up to, so it wouldn't stick to the sheet projector protector. And then I pulled out the picture on one of these pictures. I pulled out the picture and you know what I saw on the pic- sheet protector? I saw the image of the picture that was underneath the sheet protector. It, like the sheet projector pulled the image off. It had been there for so long that, that like, and I held it up and I was like, wow, this is really cool. See, it was around it so often and so long that it became the image. When we become around the image of God, he rubs off on us and people look at you and they're like, man, God just walked in the room. Now, that's why in the Bible, they had to stop the people and say, no, we're men, not God. See, what I'm not saying is that we'll ever be deity. We'll never be God, but we are the image of God. We were made in the likeness of God. And if we'll spend time with God, his glory will rub off on us. And when people see you, they see the glory of God. How do you get that to shine brighter? You have to be with God. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this. Who's, check this scripture. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded. Why does he blinded it? Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine on them. Look at what it says. I mean, look at, look at that verse. Don't just, I'm not just rushing through. Look at that verse. He says, Satan has blinded their eyes so that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, so that it wouldn't shine on them. See, if Satan can get your eyes on other things, then he can get the glory off you. The glory doesn't come just through a prayer. Oh, fill me with your glory, Lord. No, it comes through it comes through being with him. And being with him, you start reflecting him. You start reflecting the glory of the Lord. So Satan gets our eyes on other things. Come on, has this ever happened to you? Satan gets your eyes on other things and tells you that's the most important thing. Nah, I promise you you can't you can't work harder and govern your life in a better way than God has for you. We have to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Look at this one. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. You know what Jesus is is making you look like? You know what God is making you look like? Jesus. He wants you to look like Jesus. You're not going to be Jesus, but you're going to be in the image of Jesus, the image of his son. And that's why he said, the works that I do, you'll do also in greater works because I go to my Father. But I want you to notice he said, beholding as in a mirror the glory. Well, where's the, what in the world's the mirror? What's the mirror in 2 Corinthians 3.18? What's the mirror? Well, James, I think, opens this up to us. James chapter 1 verse 23 says this. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what he what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. Can you say mirror? Notice what it says. He's looking in the word and the word is the mirror. That's what happens. Look at 
You look, at the, you look into the word and the word tells you who you are. The word tells you there's no condemnation. The word tells you you're called, you're anointed, you're a man of God, you're a woman of God, you're righteous, you're, you, God has plans, God has purposes for you. And we look in the word and we start to believe it. And then we close the word because I don't have time to look in the word. And I start looking at other things and I become the image of whatever else I'm looking at. See, this is what he's saying happens in, in James. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it, it says is like one who looks in the mirror, he glances at the mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. Looks like where? In the word. Forgets what he looks like. But look, look, listen, whoever, lock into this. This is freedom right here. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, and is not a forgetful of what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You look in the word until you see what to do. Well, when am I going to stop looking? When I see what to do. And then what? Do it. And then what? You look like Jesus. You get the results of Jesus. You become the hands and feet of Jesus. I don't have time for that. Then you'll lose your life. What life? The life you were created to live. <laughs> because the life you were created to live is void of you. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty. How do you become transformed by looking and obeying? Again, we're talking about discipleship that's not knowledge-based. Oh, I've heard that. I've heard that message before. Pastor, no, no, it's not the, it's not I've heard it. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? Have you applied it? Have you applied it? We have here, uh, and I encourage, if you don't read your Bible every day, grab a bookmark and every day read one chapter. Open up your heart, say, God, speak to me today and read a chapter and begin to uh, SOAP, S-O-A-P, Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Begin to apply that word of God to your heart on a daily basis. I promise you it will transform your heart. Also, we have a freedom class. We just started it last week. It's called Total Freedom. It just started last week. In fact, if you haven't taken it and you want to you wanna be in that, you can be in that, jump in today. You'll just jump in a week late and we'll get you caught up. And then we have uh, Discipleship One. It's all about the love of God. We're starting that class in June. Uh, discipleship too. It's all about the Holy Spirit, baptism in the Holy Spirit and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and walking with the Holy Spirit. Discipleship three is all about the word of God. Discipleship four is all about spiritual authority, our authority in Christ. And discipleship five is all about our ministry. You know what? Come and soak in the word of God with us. Come and saturate your mind until you become all that Jesus created you to be. It's the best. I don't have time for it. You don't have time not to do it. I promise you. It's life-changing. And then number three, number three, living in community. Can you say living in community? So there's finding Jesus is number one. Walking with Jesus is number two, but living in community is number three. Living in community, this is the one that I think I've, I've overlooked in my personal life a lot. Because I don't really see the value, uh, you know, I'm naturally by nature, I'm a loner. In other words, I could lock myself in a room till December 
and I'd be all right. I think I would, but I know I'd miss out because, that, because that's not the plan of God for our lives. How many are natural just loners in your life? Okay, good. Now that I admitted that, you admit that. Okay. If I hadn't admitted it, <laughs> yeah. But I want you to notice what Jesus does or what God does to loners here. Uh, um, Psalm 68 verse 6 says this, God places the lonely in families. God places the lonely in families. God never created you, it to be just about you and him. That's why he called you into a body and he calls you a body part. Don't look at your neighbor and tell what body part you think they are. But uh, he's called each one of us to be a body part, which means you'll only find the fullness when you're attached to the body. He says he places the lonely in families and he sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. You know what that means? You can live life alone, but you're going to get cooked in the sun. You can live life alone, but you're not going to be sharp. Sometimes I'll be around people, and I know after a while that God's called them to stuff, but they don't have any real friends. I mean, I'm not judging them. I just know I don't think they have any real close friends. Why? Because they're called to something bigger and they're not sharp. They're just not sharp or humble or something. But God has bigger things. Listen, God's called us all to community. He's called every one of us to live in community. Why? It's be we're better together. We have something. What is community? It's common unity. Common unity. Someone you have something in common with. Someone, why community? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 4, uh, it says, but just as our bodies have many parts and each part ha has a special function, it says we are many parts of one body and we all belong to one another. Do you know that the people next to you, the people in this room, you belong to them and they belong to you. If God's called you part of, to, uh, as part of Memphis Tabernacle, it's not just you and God. But we're a church that you serve people. You have a function and a flow that God's given you, and it's going to bless people. And you may not believe it or you may not be aware of this, but people have a function and flow that you need. I don't need people. If you're in the Lord, you do. Because he said you do. You need people. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body join and knit together by what every joint supplies. Notice, what every joint supplies. Someone in this place, someone in this church, if he's called you to this church, is, is supplying something you need. We're trying to find it outside. Well, I'm just going to go find it in something. And we search and sometimes get into sin. Saul went and consulted mediums to try to find something that God had. Sometimes we, we consult things that God's not calling us to consult. We need to stick with the Lord and be patient until he answers. Someone say amen this morning. And he says, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. Of itself in love. Notice he says effective working. See, the body may work. Your body may work. You may be younger or older and, and, and your body may be working but it's not effective. <laughs> you can't hear or you can't see or things, things ain't working in your body. Notice he says, uh, you can be a working body. You can be a surviving body, but you're not a thriving body. A thriving body means that everyone's activated. Everyone is doing their share and it causes growth and, and effectiveness to the body. So we call our small groups, we're calling them freedom groups. It's okay if you say small groups, there's nothing wrong with that, but... We call them freedom groups because we believe in the community that we have. And the, uh, the groups provide three things. They provide connection. It's a place to connect. It's a place to protect. And it's a place to grow. 
place to connect, a place to protect, and a place to grow. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 says, Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so he'll let me tell him about Christ, so that Christ can save him. It's important to have a place where we can connect with others, a place to protect, a place to protect. It's a place that you can come in and find safety. It's a place where everybody knows your name. Do, 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 do. I'm dating myself there. Right? Cheers. What was, what was so cool about Cheers? What was so cool about, what's so cool about the bar? Right? It was because you walked in, people knew your name, they knew your stuff. They knew you were, if you're a jerk, they knew you're a jerk. If they're, you're going through problems, they knew your problems. They know your ups and downs, and they're still there with you. They're like, hey, Bill, pick up a seat, right? You know, that's what groups are about. You can walk into church, and we don't know each other's names. We don't know each other's stuff. We don't know anything. But there's something about community where we can come in and know one another. It's protection. First John 3.16 says, for we know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters when we do life together, our problems become so small and insignificant. Sometimes we think we're struggling with all these big old problems, and then you walk in and someone next to you is dealing with something, and you just feel, oh, now your heart goes out to them. You're praying for them. You love them. You're trying to encourage them. And you walk out, and for an hour of time, you forgot about you. That's one of the reasons for community. To get our eyes off ourselves. It's a big deal to the Lord. And it's also a place to grow. As iron sharpens iron, so does one sharpen one another. Uh, I have people in my life, I have brothers in my life that are straightforward with me, that sharpen me. And I need it. I need it. I need it. And you need it. So it's a place to protect, a place to connect, protect, and grow. Uh, groups run in semesters. You know, life works in seasons and semesters. Just like school, we have spring, we have summer, we have uh, fall. And so what we do is eight months of the year, we run our groups. Eight months a year is where we run our groups. So four months a year, we have off. So we're starting another season coming up in June. And June and July, we're starting another series of groups. And then we'll take a break in August. And then we're starting September, October, November. And then we'll take a break in uh, December and January. And then we'll start February, March, April. That's kind of how our groups flow in seasons. Anyone can join a group. Anyone can lead a group. Can I uh, ask you this morning... I'd like for everyone to make an attempt, make an attempt to sign up for a summer group in something. Could be a discipleship group, could be a community group, but get into some type of group. Well, I can't make every single session. It's okay. But could you just try to get into a group? Why? People need you. And why? You need people. Hey, as next steps, though, I do want you to sign up. Here's our summer groups. In fact, you can just uh, text Memphis to 97,000 right now. Click on groups, and you can see there's 11 groups. There's Total Freedom. There's Discipleship One. There's Financial Peace University. There's a house group. Uh, there's Young Ladies Group. There's a Young Moms Group. There's a Ladies Journal Group. There's a Men's Journal Group. There's a Prayer Group. There's a Worship and Tech Group, and there's a Leadership Group. We have all these groups that you could sign up for, and we just want everyone get in one go to one what if I go to it and I don't like it <laughs> then drop the group go to another group right ditch the group date the group if you want to date the group date the group if you don't like the group date another group but but find one and give it a fair shot and try to get in it as much as you can why well I feel so like I just feel so like weird being in groups because I don't like those situations you need it more than anybody 
It's usually those people that need it the most. Do it. In fact, pray with me right now. We're going to end, end here. Father, I pray for every person in here. Come on, give, it, give an honest prayer right now. Lord, I pray for every person in here. I pray that you would stir hearts and we open our hearts. First of all, to, we surrender self. <laughs> would you take your hands, open them up to God as a representation of your heart. Say, I surrender myself. Forgive me for my filters. Forgive me for bringing criteria to the table and trying to make you fit in my world. And God, I surrender to you and your plans. Say this with me today. I surrender to you and your plans. I die to myself and I live to Christ. Lord, lead me and guide me. Come on, say it with me. Lord, lead me and guide me in the direction I'm supposed to go. Lead me to the right group, the right community that you're guiding me in, I pray. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for anyone else, anything that's going on in someone's life right now, just bow your heads. Any, something that's going on, Lord, I believe, Holy Spirit, you're stirring someone's heart right now. Church, pray with me. Just pray with me for those right now. Lord, I pray for those, God, that you're stirring their hearts. Someone, I believe right now you're renewing a call of ministry to someone's heart. They thought they failed you. And, and you're renewing, you're rekindling that flame. Thank you, Jesus. Someone else, there's an opportunity. I, I know it as I just pray. There was an opportunity that you had and you didn't go the right direction. You didn't do it and you knew you were supposed to. Since the Lord saying, get up and go do it again. I'll take care of it. I'll give you the grace. Get up and do it again. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He doesn't start what he's not going to complete in you. Thank you, Jesus, for Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's worship the Lord right now. Just take your hands, lift them up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, all over this room right now. Let's thank God. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.